Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 206 called Jillian. Okay guys. Oh my God. I love this episode today and I know you're going to love it too. My guest today is the very cool, very funny, just very real Jillian Sipkins, who is an interior designer, a photographer, a mom of two, and she is married to magician and Magic for Human star Justin Willman, who, if you guys haven't seen that show on Netflix, it is so good. And I've seen him actually a few times live with my kids. So if you haven't, check it out. Another thing you have to watch after this episode, after listening to this, you have to go on YouTube and watch Jill and Justin do their versions of Drunk History. They do two. One is about how they met. One is about their son's birth story, and they are both fucking hilarious. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but mostly about Jill's fertility story and her journey, her miscarriage, getting pregnant with her son, and then their surrogacy story, which led to their very new baby girl. So without further ado, this is Jill's infertility story. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for doing this. It's so good to meet you. you. Good to meet you. you. Well, I'm so happy that you wanted to share your story today because, you know, I saw what you'd posted recently about your surrogacy journey and it made, I just watched it again and it made me well up because it was so beautiful. And I think, you know, when I asked you to do this, you were like, yes, it's important to talk about this stuff, which I couldn't agree more. So thank you for that. Let's start at the beginning. Did you always want to be a mom? I did. I mean, well, you know, I I think I went through one sort of rebellious phase in my 20s where I was like, no, I'm not having children. And I think that may have had to do with the fact that I wasn't dating anyone and I was just not seeing it. And then it sort of all came flooding back to me when I met my husband and I was like, oh, yeah, I do want kids. And I think my mom breathes a sigh of relief, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we talked about, we kind of talked about it right away. We were like, we, you know, we knew both of us wanted to like get married and have children and have a family. Okay. So how did you guys meet? We met, um, I'll actually, I'll send you the video because we made a little, um, drunk history parody about it, but we, we met, I was shooting an event where he was performing. He's a magician. Yes. And, um, full disclosure. I have seen him live with my daughter when she was younger. Yeah. That's amazing. I've seen him twice. It was oh, so fun. Amazing. And we did the meet and greet too. So I'll have to send you a picture when we were wearing shirts that say Susan. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so yeah. fun. He's, it's a great That's show. so great. You saw him yeah. in New York? I saw him. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. I think one time was in Long Island and one time was at like Caroline's in New York or something. Oh yeah. I definitely was with him on one of the Caroline's okay. trips before, yeah. before children. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. So we met when he was at an event where he was performing and I was at the time doing like event wedding photography. And so I happened to be there shooting it and we sort of clocked each other. And then we didn't actually start dating for a couple of years after that, maybe okay. a year or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were both, you know, in relationships at the time and we sort of just like had followed each other on social media and then we were both single and we sort of went from there. Okay. So when did you guys start talking about family building? Like, were you, obviously it's not like the first date. Do you want a million kids? But yeah, right. Were you on the same him? Maybe he's sort of, he's like even more of an open book than I am. Um, (laughs) He's like what he's like that guy who's like, Oh, hi, nice to meet you. I think I'll marry you. Yeah. Uh Did he say that? Was he, I'm sure he was like, well, yes. You know, pretty early on, he was like, I love you. I want, I want to marry you. And I was like, (laughs) ha ha, you know, I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but he, yeah, so he was pretty open about about wanting kids. And I, at that point, knew that that was what I wanted. And so we got married about mm, maybe a year and a half after we started dating. So pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, no, maybe it was two years. Anyway, it's all. Uh-huh. Learned, you know? I know. It's like, but, um, yeah. what is time? <laughs> what is time? Especially is time? now. I know, right? Um, yeah. And I remember the night that we got engaged was when we started like making a list of baby names. <laughs> so we were oh, like my God. into it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So backtracking a little bit, Jill, what did you know about like your fertility growing up? 
this is a common theme where I feel like with women, you know, like these days for me, for example, it was like, you're going to get pregnant if you don't use protection. It's so easy oh, to get totally. pregnant. Yeah. And it was just drilled in our heads, like mm-hmm. use protection or you get pregnant. So like when I was having problems getting pregnant, I was literally like, what the fuck? Like, where did this come from? You know? Exactly. So, exactly. What like, did I'm you like, know? Like, what did you learn in school? I definitely, yeah, I definitely had that fear of like anytime that, you know, anything sexual happens, I need to take a pregnancy test, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was, it was drilled into my head yeah. and then I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was 18. Okay. Um, and one of the first things that my doctor at the time handed me was a pamphlet about how hard it was going to be for me to be pregnant basically. Mm. And so from the time I was pretty young and not even really thinking about kids at that point, I was, I sort of had it in my brain that it was going to be difficult for me. Um, and that I was going to have to have really tight control if I ever wanted to do that. And that, you know, there could be all kinds of problems and mm-hmm. all that. So did they um, tell you that you were going to have to use like assisted reproductive technology necessarily, or it was just going to be hard? No, they just, it was just, it became clear to me that it was going to be dangerous for my body or that it could be dangerous for my body. It wasn't until I actually started trying to have kids that I got on some forums and realized that like, oh, there are women with type one who are doing this and they're doing a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, and the babies are fine and, you know, for the most part, and, and it sort of gave me a newfound confidence about the whole thing, but there was like, you know, 15 years where I was like, oh, there's definitely a, there's a chance that I'm going to have like a, you know, a baby with all kinds of issues or the baby won't make it or, you know, and it'll be my fault and all that. So it was yeah, sort of scary. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a lot, especially you learned that at like 18. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which at the, you know, when you're 18, you're like, whatever, I'm, you know, that's yeah. not a problem right now, but it was always this little seed in the back of my head that was like, oh, when I do want to do this, it's going to be harder for me than other people. Well, that's Mm -hmm. cool. You know? Right. Exactly. Cool. 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 Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So what happened when you guys did indeed like start to try? Um, when we started trying, I got pregnant right away. Like the first month that we, that I went off birth control, which had been like the first time I've been off birth control since I was like 15, you know, like totally my body was like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. Um, and I got pregnant and then I, and then that, was a miscarriage that that pregnancy was a mis mm. ended in miscarriage at about so eight weeks. And so then we I sort of we took a break. We like went to Japan and like, you know, ate mm-hmm. sushi and drank sake. And then we came back and I thought, well, it was so easy. You know, it, it'll be easy again mm-hmm. and started trying and then we're trying and trying and didn't get pregnant again for eight months. OK. And then Finally, at that point, you know, that was when we were going to start looking into solutions and I did get pregnant on my own. Uh, And about a week into that pregnancy, I started bleeding really heavily. And so scary. I know I called my doctor and I was like, uh, you know, I'm bleeding. He's like, you know, obviously there's nothing you can we can do. It's really early. And he said, come in next week and we'll make sure everything has cleared. And, you know, I can you guys can try again or whatever. I'll just make sure. And I bled and bled and went in and the next week and the pregnancy was there. Oh my gosh. So that whole time were you thinking I'm having a miscarriage, I'm just going to let it pass. And okay. Totally. Cramping, bleeding, everything, you know, that must have been devastating. And that entire pregnancy with my son, I bled the whole time. It was a subchorionic hematoma or a huge one that just like would continue to open and continue to open and he would go in and he would be like well you know the baby's still in there but there's still a chance that you're gonna miscarry and i'll see you next week kind of a thing that's terrifying so you're never really able to relax right never no and i and it was just like you know during this time where you're never supposed to bleed i bled the entire time and i would I mean, again, here comes a big TMI, you know, right up front, but I would pass these clots that are like the size of lemons, you know, that's for sure a miscarriage. And then I'd go in the next week and he would still be there. So it was like, wow, a lot of mind games and body games. And absolutely. And were you having like almost like PTSD from the first miscarriage? Yeah, it's the same. 
Yeah. Cause yeah. you're like, Oh, well I know that this can happen and that my body, you know, yeah. Can't will miscarry. So it, yeah. it just sort of, it was hard for me to get attached to the pregnancy because I totally. kept thinking that it was going to end um, any minute, you know? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I still, I mean, my son through IVF now, people who are listening know this, he's seven and I still like when I wipe and there's no blood, I have like a little sigh of relief because I feel like <laughs> I have PTSD from so many times when I'd be like, please, no blood, please, no blood. And there would be blood and I'd be yep. having a miscarriage or something yep. like that. So mm-hmm. do you have that too? Like that it's I oh, feel like totally it's with you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I have, you know, just vivid memories of, of, of that time and just, yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, it's more blood than you've ever seen in your life during right. a time where you're supposed to be not bleeding at all. Ever, right. You know? And it must've been so terrifying going in for those appointments and, it, you know, expecting terrible news and, yeah, you know, waiting for time. the other shoe to drop. And then they're like, Oh, he's still, here's the heartbeat. And it's yep. like, that's wild. Totally. That's totally. wild. Yeah. So yeah. what did you do like mentally to, to kind of get through that tough time? I just kept thinking, you know, okay, well at this point we've gone in several weeks and he's still been in there. And so, you know, my, on the other side of it with the type one, my sort of job was to keep my blood sugars really, really tight, you know, tighter than they had ever been. Mm-hmm. And so I focused on that and mm-hmm. trying to get my A1C, which is sort of your average blood sugar down as low as I could get it without, you know, into dangerous zone, um, mm-hmm. just to try to protect him. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult because I had, I also had hyperemesis. So I was, it was really hard for me to not just like when I wanted to eat, eat carbs, right? you know, <laughs> right. uh, which is sugar. So it was, it was the hardest thing, you know, yeah. that, that my body has done was definitely. That. Yeah. So was there ever a point where you, you were able, like maybe towards the end, able to be like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> He's coming. Like, it's going to be. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, once we got, it was sort of like, once we got into the third trimester mm. and he was born at 35 weeks, he was born early and probably because of all the bleeding, you know, just like mm. it wasn't going to make it the whole time. But towards the end, I was like, all right, well, you know, it's, like, it's sort of like when you're on a, <laughs> Tell me if this is just me, <laughs> it's sort of like when you're on a plane and you're landing and you're like close enough to the ground where you're like, okay, if the engine failed now, we would still land. Yes. And we would still maybe be alive. Like, right. okay, we did it. Like, right. like we, we might, <laughs> we might crash, but like, we will survive. But like we might still live. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's it a was great sort of like analogy. Where, where I got like fr- far enough into the pregnancy where I was like, okay, well, if there's a catastrophic failure, we might be able to have help on the other side. Yeah. That's a and perfect so that way to was say encouraging. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, but, but yeah, my body, I mean, my body was just so tired by the time he was born because I had, yeah. I was, I, I had the, the bleeding. And then I also had like, it started as tachycardia and like went into a, another heart issue, with, which was solved by, you know, not being pregnant anymore. But basically my body was like not having it, you know? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, with all these just stressors on it. And I know to this day, I don't know if it was my type one. I don't know if it's just me and my genetics or Mm -hmm. what, but it was like, um, it was just a lot for my body. I was in and out of the hospital the whole time. Oh gosh. Um, Yeah. So what was it like when you finally got to, to see your baby giving birth, holding him finally after everything you'd been through at that point? Oh my gosh. It was the coolest thing. I mean, well, my husband, so I went into labor early and my husband had a show in, um, Hartford, Connecticut. And he, you know, I went in and saw my doctor's partner who was like, Oh, you're having contractions. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he was like, but you'll just walk it off and drink water and you'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, cool. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) feels different, but okay. And so Justin, my husband went to the show across okay. the country mm-hmm. and barely made it back. I mean, within an hour of <laughs> my son being born. So it was like a big, it was a very big moment when he was born because A, you know, this pregnancy had been hell and B, Justin barely made it. And he was like, you know, somehow he had 
enough Wi-Fi on the plane where we were like, okay, if you have to watch this birth on FaceTime, we can do that. <laughs> but it was close. It was wait, really- I feel like, does he tell the story in the show? I feel like that now that he you're does, saying it, I'm does. like, wait, and I've heard. We also, okay. we also did a parody, a Drunk History parody part okay. two on this one. So okay. I'll send you both of those for when you have time. <laughs> yes. That's um, like amazing. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Um, so he made it back in time and then you're holding your baby. Oh. He was, you know, Jack was born. It was one of those things. And again, tell me if I'm crazy with this too, but like the whole time (laughs) I was pregnant and this is like, aside from all the crazy, you know, health issues that I had, like, did you feel like you didn't believe there was a human inside of you? Like you wouldn't believe it. it. Like, how did it just, how did this happen? Like, (laughs) yes. Like I was like, I thought I was going to like give birth to a cat or something. I don't know what I thought, (laughs) but when he came out and he was a human baby, I was so... (laughs) relieved <laughs> totally. You know, totally and I'll never forget that little sound that little ee, ee, little oh like a God. baby bird almost I mean yeah. just sweetest oh my yeah. gosh it was, I was it is complete shock it's so weird like pregnancy the fact that you like made a human is yes. when you think about it you're like what it's, it's almost so like looks like that Schrodinger's cat thing where you're like well I didn't see him go in right. so he may or may not be a human baby in my belly. I don't know, you know? Totally. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> his name is Jack, and he's three? He just turned four in December. Oh, four. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And tell me about when did you guys talk about baby number two or the next one? So I had been told pretty early on, and this is – um, so when I, when I gave birth to Jack, the – placenta just did not come out and they were like, Oh, okay. So you have an accreta or a procreta mm-hmm. and we need to go in and get it. They went in to manually pull it out and they just couldn't, they couldn't get all of it. I'll describe that though, as probably the most painful part of the entire yes. process because you're, I mean, again, with the graphic, a vaginal birth, this was a vaginal, yes. Gotcha. So, so sort of like you're a puppet at that point, and they're going in and getting the placenta out of Oh, you. my God. It's insane. It's insane. I know. I'm sorry. You can the visual. <laughs> no, I'm not cutting that. Um, but that was the point where I was, like, screaming for the meds. I was like, this, oh. this is – yeah. But so they couldn't, they couldn't get it all. They thought maybe they did, you know. Um, but then I bled – for eight more weeks after pregnancy. And I had already been bleeding the, this entire time. So then they were like, all right, well, you need to come back in and we'll do, we'll surgically remove everything. Yeah. Um, so I went in for basically a DNC, I, I guess, although if it, you know, because it had grown into the wall of the uterus, I'm not sure what else was involved, but mm. basically what they told me afterwards was that they filled my uterus with fluid in order to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the, tissue, the placental tissue that was still in there was so vascular that it just sucked all of that fluid immediately into my lungs. Oh my God. So they couldn't, they woke me up from the surgery. I woke up, I was, I mean, they just gave me like a little bucket and they were like, you need to cough up this fluid for (gasps) the next couple of hours. And then we'll try the surgery again another time. And I was like, no, thanks. I've never (laughs) heard of such a thing. Wow. So there was, so, so basically, you know, there's still scar tissue, a lot of scar tissue in there. So I went mm-hmm. and saw a specialist and she was like, well, maybe don't do this again. Um, yeah. Would they but, describe that as Asherman syndrome? Did they tell you that it was called that or is it just. No, they, they didn't, but maybe, okay. I don't know what that is. So it could possibly, I mean. Yeah. That's it's also usually, a blur, so. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It's, um, I don't know a lot about Asherman's, but what I do know is it's something about scar tissue in the uterus and it sometimes it happens after a DNC or sometimes it happens just after pregnancy, but it, yeah. So a lot of times it prohibits yeah. you from being able to get pregnant again, if they don't get right. rid of the scar tissue. Exactly. So it was sort of one of those things where it was like, how are they going to get rid of this without my body acting? Like they, my, my doctor was like, we didn't expect this. This is, she was like, this is something that happens to like 80 year olds. <laughs> Oh my God. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Again. Thanks Thanks, body. You know, right. Medical anomaly. That's me. Yeah. yeah. So it was just difficult for them Mm -hmm. to perform the procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sort of felt like, okay, I'm being told that my body doesn't handle this stuff very well. And now I have a baby 
Right. So this, you know, high risk doctor that we talked to was like, you know, maybe you consider if you are want to do this again, you know, don't carry yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, so it's it yeah. sort of left me at this place where I was like, oh, I never thought that I was not going to be able to have more than one kid mm-hmm. or carry the, my own children, both of my, I mean, I, I knew we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of started in my head, the struggle of like, can I even let go of control enough to consider this as an option, mm-hmm. you know, to consider surrogacy mm-hmm. and eventually it became clear that I shouldn't put my body at risk when I already have a baby to take care of. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to sort of come to that though. It was a, it was sort of a war in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's not an easy decision. And did you also have almost going through like a grieving process of like not totally. being able to carry, having to let go of that piece of it? Totally. And, you know, worrying, and I still have this where it's like, will this, next child resent me for Mm. not carrying them, even though they don't know who carried them and where, but like, you know, I don't ever want to have a, I don't want it to be a secret. And, you know, will that divide them as siblings? Mm -hmm. Will, you know, will she resent me? Will she resent Jack? You know, like, right. I don't know. It's all, it's all, you know, things that my friends and family would describe to me as like, that's crazy, but I don't think that's crazy at all. I don't, I think it's valid. I don't think that she will resent you, but I think having those concerns is totally valid. Like that's yeah. a real human concern when you go through something like this. Um, totally. And you know, I just didn't want to, I didn't want my kids to not have the same everything experience. <laughs> in, yeah. It's coming into this world. And yeah. I never envisioned that that would be yeah. the case. I was just reading some article that was saying when people are donor conceived or, you know, surrogacy conceived that it's good to tell the kids like early and often to just kind of get them used to the story. So it's not like a big reveal and like a big thing, you know, right. Then again, it was like, but don't dwell on it too much because then it makes it, it like has the opposite effect. So it's like, you almost have to find that sweet spot of like being transparent with them, but not making it like a huge thing. So I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of good books out there though now, like children's books and stuff that explain, you know, assisted reproduction, reproductive technology and surrogacy and donors. Yeah, more and more now that people are actually yeah. talking about it, which is totally. Crazy. Yeah. 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 I actually did get one off of uh, Amazon that, you know, I think also a lot of people self-publish things, which like I'll, you know, I'll give it a whirl and sure. Um, and it's like, you know, I think it was called maybe grown in another garden or something okay. like that. Yeah. I okay. want to give a shout out to that author, whoever you are, because it was very like, you know, here's what you need. You need a uterus right. in order to grow a baby. And maybe, you know, mom's uterus isn't the place where the, the right garden for the baby to grow. Yeah. Very, like, too many weeds or something. <laughs> exactly. It's way too many weeds. <laughs> Yeah. As you know, from just my surrogate, Katie and I have such a good relationship that I totally plan on having her in our lives Mm. and being Mm -hmm. um, really, you know, just transparent about all of that. And I'm hoping that it's exciting. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you, you know, like that I can say to my daughter, you were so loved that we found a way to get you here. Yes. We couldn't do it just the two of us, you know, totally. So I'm hoping. Yeah. That. I mean, in, and it's, it's, you know, similar, but different. Like my son was IVF conceived and my daughter was not. So I have the same concerns and mm-hmm. he's old enough now. We're like, and he hears me doing the show and he hears me on my support groups and stuff. And he's like, what is IVF? Like, he's like, I know the NBA. Like he just like, I'm like, yeah. nothing. He's like <laughs> I'm like, no, it's like an acronym, but, um, so I'm at that point too, where like, he doesn't really understand, but it's like, there's that concern because he was conceived differently. But Mm -hmm. like you said, what I always say to him is I still can't believe you're here. I say that to him every single day because I can't. And you know, it's like you were wanted so badly Mm -hmm. that I would have done anything. And we had to do it this way. Like you were made in a lab, like that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it really is. I'm trying to make it exciting. Like you were saying, but it's tricky. I don't know the answer. 
Totally. I mean, well, especially because you think of back when we were kids, when, when this was all just getting started and people would call other kids test, test two babies. Yes. And that was like the biggest insult yes. you could possibly 100%. say to someone. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, yes. as an adult, it's like, that is so cool that we can make babies in a test tube, but it's okay, wild. I get it. <laughs> it is so cool. So were you guys, were you and Justin on the same page about, okay, we're going to have to go the surrogacy route or did you have any hard conversations about that? We did. You know, I think, um, he, he is, ha- and has always been just so supportive of, has never made me feel bad about having these sort of shortcomings with my body or however we want to, you know, describe it. Mm-hmm. He has always, he's just always been like, okay, well, what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. What do you feel comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And so it was really this sort of thing that I had to come to terms with. He was going to be on board with, with that. Mm-hmm. And I know that he also wanted more than one kid. And, you know, we, that was what we were planning on, you know, plans are so funny, right? Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but so he, you know, we basically, we just had to have a conversation about logistically, how does this work? You know, what do mm-hmm. we need to do mm-hmm. um, in order to make this work? Because there's so much that goes into it. There's the IVF for me, there's the mm-hmm. IVF for the surrogate, there's the legal, there's the money, there's mm-hmm. the, it's just, it's a lot um, mm-hmm. behind the curtain. And so uh, it was basically just a willingness and enableness to do what was needed in order to get mm-hmm we are right now. So how did you get the ball rolling? Like, how did you find, did you work with an agency or did you like ask friends who'd use surrogates or like, where did you begin? We started with a friend of ours who had used a surrogate. She Mm -hmm. had had, um, just debilitating, uh, hyperemesis to the point where Mm -hmm. she was like constantly on an IV and just was like, I can't do that again. Mm. Um, so they went, they hired, or sorry, they found their surrogate, I believe through an agency, wonderful woman who we ended up um, actually meeting with and trying to pull her out of retirement um, <laughs> to help us. And it was so, it was actually, that was and actually, I don't even know if my surrogate Katie knows this part of our story because it feels so separate now, but we did um, talk to her about, carrying for us. And she was, she was going to come and do it. And we were actually, she was denied, um, because she had had at that point, four kids of her own and two surrogacies. Oh, okay. And the rules are getting so stricter and stricter Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. surrogacy and surrogacy law. And that was where they draw the line that you can't have had more than six pregnancies. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I'm sure it's different state to state, different state to state for sure. But in California, that was where they, and and we were even we were like so excited at that point to be sort of on track right. you know we were like oh my gosh this was so much easier so than we thought it was going to be right. and we were like what if we sign something that says you know we're okay with this being her seventh pregnancy and they were like no 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 doctor we went to a couple different doctors um no doctor would would work with her which was so weird i mean she's just this like yeah doesn't drink, doesn't drink alcohol, gets up at 4 a.m. to work out. Like she was, she was just like a workhorse of textbook. The opposite of me. I'm like sitting here with my coffee and my wine. Like um and she was just yes, she was just like her body was good at having babies. Right. You know? And she Oh, that's such a bummer that that didn't work out. So yeah. So then we then we sort of mourned that loss and moved on. And we started working with one of the bigger agencies um, called Hatch and they were wonderful. However, it was the beginning of COVID Mm -hmm. and nobody was matching with anybody. It Mm -hmm. was like, there was a complete standstill in the Mm -hmm. process Mm -hmm. of anybody getting a surrogate and anybody getting any embryos transferred and, you know, everybody was petrified. And that was such a weird time. It was such a weird time. Yeah. And so we sort of waited that out for a while. And as the months went by, I got more and more anxious about getting older Mm -hmm. and my son getting older Mm -hmm. and this age gap that I hadn't planned on. And totally again, plans, right? Oh my God. Totally. um, So I got, you know, a little bit 
just antsy. And I went searching and I found Megan Edgecombe, who is, uh, she heads up an agency um, called Your Fertility Advocate. And I just want to give her a big shout out because she's so wonderful and boutique. And we ended up switching over to her agency and she uh, matched us with Katie right away. Oh, wow. Okay. And Katie was, um, she had basically, because she was sort of a newer agency and she had um, recruited a bunch of first time surrogates. Mm -hmm. And I think in the beginning, everybody thinks, oh no, I want somebody with experience um, Mm -hmm. doing this. And I'm so glad we didn't do that. Like I was, it actually ended up being so cool to go through this process, both of us completely green, you know, um, and not knowing what to expect and just taking right together. Yeah. um, And just having to trust the process together. And yeah. So we, we matched with Katie right away and had like a instant connection with her. Okay. So just backtracking a little bit, were you able to start the IVF process while you were searching for the surrogate or was it like, we want to find somebody first? We wanted to have the eggs frozen and ready um, so that when we did find somebody that we were good to go. Yeah. Because, you know, it's all, it's kind of just, everything is slow. And so to have that part ready Mm -hmm. was really helpful for just, okay, so now we got to do this legal stuff and now we got to, right. There's so many steps. So how did you do with the meds and stuff, especially with the type one, like, did that have any, you know, effect on it or it actually was okay for me. Oh, good, good. I think compared to my pregnancy with Jack, it was almost a breeze. It was yeah. like, oh, okay, like, so oh, this is I do this thing and then I get, I have this procedure at right. the end of it and then my body can rest again, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it was so, so it was sort of like I had this goal and I was ready and right. it didn't matter that I felt kind of crummy doing it because yeah. it was only there's an end game. Exactly. There's like an end in sight and it's yeah. way closer than the end of a pregnancy. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause it's like, you have to do this shot at this time. And you know, exactly. it's kind of, if you follow the steps, then that happens. Yeah, totally. It was like math. It was just yeah. like, okay, yeah. so I do this and then I do this and then I get right. this. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right. And how did you guys do like embryo wise? Sorry. I'm we, did, we did pretty <laughs> good. Um, well, so actually <laughs> according to my, from how we started to how we ended, they mm-hmm. would probably say that, that that was actually not so good, but because well, I, the attrition rate is crazy. I mean, crazy. yeah, it's crazy. We, when, when I came out, they told me we got 33 eggs mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. 33 kids. <laughs> wow. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, the number kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Yeah. And we ended up with, uh, four viable embryos. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And I remember that when I did my retrieval, I think I got 29 or something. Yeah. And you're like in those rooms with like curtains. And I heard yeah. the woman next to me and she had only gotten 12. And I remember being so smug and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like what a bitch. I can't believe I thought that. Like, I was like, I but then like, of I'm course totally mine was winning. like, boom, boom, yeah. and, and, and at the end of the day, I, I only had one healthy embryo mm-hmm. after all that. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's wild. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And you know, they said a lot of it had to do with just age. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you had a lot, excuse me. You had a lot of eggs, but really only, you know, so many of them are actually good. Yeah, um, totally. Which makes sense, I guess, at that point. But mm-hmm. Man, I wish, you know, it's one of those things where like now people are freezing their eggs, which is awesome because really we don't realize that the quality of the eggs does go down. I had no idea. I had no idea because I was going through, so I'm old. Um, (laughs) No, I am. And, but when I was going through this, I was like in my late thirties with my son trying to have my son. So I was like, oh my God, like had I done this in my early twenties, like I would have like had so many less drinks in my history. Yeah, yeah. Cigarettes, you know, like all the bad totally. stuff that you do at party. Like I was like, oh my God, these eggs are so bad after all <laughs> the like craziness. I know, I know, I know, I know. And yeah, so like my uh, I have friends now who are who are doing the egg freezing yeah. process. Smart. And I'm like, good. Like yeah. every every totally. day that you do it is is a good thing. Totally, me. totally. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about going back to when you guys matched with Katie, what was it about her that you guys like instantly sparked with? You know, it's funny because it's like 
it's kind of like dating where Mm -hmm. you just sort of have to get a feeling from someone. And Mm -hmm. she was, gosh, I don't even, it was, and it's hard because we were on, we were on zoom, right? So with Megan, and so it felt very formal and it felt right. a little bit sterile, but it was yeah. like, okay, I can see through all of this that she's just somebody I would be friends with, uh-huh. you know, super down to earth, super just honest, mm-hmm. um, or at least it, it felt that way to me mm-hmm. that she was, had just, I don't know. She's just the coolest person. She had, it felt like she had the purest of intentions. And oh, just, that's so cool. I don't know. She's, she's just, I still think this about her and she knows that we basically, you know, I, it's basically my love letter to her, but she's just one of the best people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. A selfless, cool, down to earth person. I know those are kind of cliche words, but Mm -mm. yeah, no. And I feel like sometimes it's a feeling too. Like you just probably had a good feeling about it. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think we really got lucky because we do have a, we just have a natural friendship on mm-hmm. top of this mm-hmm. sort of agreement, mm-hmm. obviously that we have. Yeah. Did she um, live nearby you or was she at, in a different part of the country? Lo- as I mean, you don't as have I- to reveal any details. Like, Oh no, that's okay. Um, but- she t- I, I talked to her before this and she said, please just don't describe how my nether regions look and all <laughs> everything else is on the table. Okay. Well, this um, episode is canceled if we're not going to get into that. <laughs> right. That was the whole point. <laughs> No, they are, they're pretty local. They're in Glendora. So they're like 45 minutes to an hour from me. I'm in Studio City. Okay. Um, so we decided that we would deliver in Pasadena, which is about halfway for both of us. Okay. Um, and we got really lucky with her being basically local because, you yeah. know, going through this process who their surrogate is in a completely different state, you know? Right. Yeah. Especially totally. at this time, you know, when, when starting in 2020, like it was really slim pickings for people who were doing this during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. You know, it's a really mm-hmm. difficult thing to embark on at that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So were you yeah. able to go to her appointments and stuff? Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And then I saw the video. So what did, what did you tell Jack when she, I saw the video of him like touching her belly, which was so yeah. cute in your compilation. So was she, how did you explain it to him? Did you say like, we're having a baby in there, like kind of thing? Or like, how yeah, did you explain yeah, it? Yeah, we did. We, you know, we started to talk to him about, um, and again, it's always scary to talk to a little kid about a baby coming because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. But <laughs> yeah, um, we started true. to talk to him pretty, pretty early on, maybe like, I don't know, 12 or 14 weeks into the pregnancy that there was going to be baby's sister. And that was a very, so pretty abstract to him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he'd never asked whether, why baby sister wasn't growing inside mommy's belly. Okay. Um, So eventually I just sort of took the reins on it. And I said, do you want to hear something really cool? Baby sister is growing inside of our friend Katie. And he, you know, took that in and didn't have too many questions about it. Right. Um, I'm sure he will in, in time. Um, Right. But yeah, so then every time we would see Katie, um, we would make sure to tell him like, look, do you see that baby yeah. sister is growing in here? And um, that time where he felt baby sister, he was like, do you hear that? And we were like, what? He goes, she's crying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, like he was just like, that's okay, so I can cute. make stuff up too, mom. Like, that's yeah, so cute. I can play along. Well, yeah. see, I feel like you already did the perfect thing by saying, you want to hear something cool? You know, mm-hmm. like framing it in that way is like really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I felt, yeah. I kind of felt like we had no other choice, you know, I was like, I've got to make this really cool. Yeah. It has to be awesome. From right. The start. Exactly. Um, so I should have asked you, was it the first transfer and that ended up working with Katie? It did. Okay. Um, But we went through a, a a friend of mine who had her baby via surrogate. I went out to lunch with her right before we were supposed to transfer. And she was like, "Uh, so you're doing a mock cycle? And I was like, no, what's that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was like, definitely do a mock cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to have to, if you're, if something, if the embryo doesn't take, they're going to have you do a mock cycle next. Mm -hmm. So do it up front so that you know your medications are correct. And mm. like, I still 
thank her for that because mm-hmm. our medications were not correct. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so had that, had the embryo not taken, we would have learned that later on and we would have been like, Hmm, I wonder if that was why. Right. Okay. So they were able little, to tweak the like, yeah, progesterone exactly. and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, it's okay. the, exactly. So it's mm-hmm. exactly as you would do for a transfer cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of doing a transfer, you do a biopsy mm-hmm. and so you biopsy the, the, um, uterine lining just to see that everything was how receptive it is and all that. And what the levels are. Yeah. Yeah. So there was an extra day or two added Mm -hmm. of progesterone at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, and luckily we took because not our best quality embryo. Okay. So we were nervous from the start about whether it would take, were you guys able to decide which embryo or did the doctor decide, or how did you come to that? We decided we wanted to try for the girl. We were curious about the girl. Um, yeah. they're, they're, the rest of our embryos uh, were boys. And so okay. we were sort of like, okay, well, if, as long as in this weird process, we have the choice, mm-hmm. I guess we'll see yeah. what the girl is like. completely. Um, and so that was what we decided to do. But that she was like a day behind on mm-hmm. um, development. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the, of the lining or the, uh, I don't know, her edges were not as, as clean, I guess. They okay. Say. Okay. So, um, but a lot of times, but she was genetic, it was, genetically, it was normal. So they were like, you know, it, it's either going to take her, it's not. And if it takes, right. it's the same as any other quality. Embryo. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. So what, when did you find out that Katie was pregnant and how did that go? Well, we knew that we were going to do her beta test you know, nine, nine or 10 days after transfer. And we both were, she, oh, she had some cramping mm-hmm. and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, should we check, you know, should we, should we? And we decided to check because we were like, I would rather know going into it that it didn't work. Yeah. Then get like sort of this solemn, you know, sorry, message from the doctor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And she, so she took a pregnancy test with me on FaceTime and we both couldn't believe it that she was, we were like, Oh my God, I can't believe it works. Like what? Oh my God. I think you have have this low bar. Totally. This IVF of this whole process where you're like, Oh, there's no way this is working. You know, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. Um, so when she was pregnant, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe that we took this embryo mm-hmm. that is not yours and put mm-hmm. it inside your body and it's, and now you're pregnant. It's, I mean, it's that's wild. wild. It's wild. <laughs> it is wild. It's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. So what was in your video again? Sorry to keep referencing this, no, but it was, okay. it's really stuck with me. So what did you guys text? Like we made a human or something like that? Or what? what yes. Yes. Okay. Like every, okay. it's still to this day we text, I can't believe we made a baby. <laughs> like, I can't believe we made a baby. It's so it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it really is like, you know, and I will say this, that, you know, she went through so much with this pregnancy and mm. I didn't, you know, there that's doesn't come through enough in that little video that I made, but she, so she had very easy pregnancies with her kids, okay. um, which is probably what led her to this thinking that this was, you know, going to be hopefully a, a piece of cake for yeah. someone else. Right. That's what, that's what we all hope going into pregnancy. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know if it was because it wasn't her genetic material. I don't know mm. if it was just like every pregnancy is different. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was, age. I don't know. I really don't know, mm-hmm. but she, I mean, I bow down to her forever for what she went through. She had severe preeclampsia. Mm. She had, she, her, she had heart issues too. She went into AFib at one point. Oh, wow. She was wow. admitted to the hospital for preeclampsia and for her heart. Scary. So she was like this pregnant woman in the, um, telemetry ward. Oh, wow. All these cardiac doctors are like, what are you doing here? No, no, no. We can't. We got to get you out of here. You can't be in this, you know, yeah, down in labor and delivery. So, um, but yeah, so she was, she was in the hospital in and out of the hospital as well. And just trying to keep her blood sugar, sorry, blood pressure down Mm -hmm. and 
it. And her, her AFib was resolved uh, within a few days. So that was good, but it was scary. Mm -hmm. That is scary. Wow. So when the baby was born, can you tell us a a little bit about that? Yeah. So basically we, she had finally been uh, discharged from the hospital for those, for that stuff. And her medications Mm -hmm. were tweaked and she got to go home for a little while. And we went into our uh, final, what was supposed to be our final NST, non-stress test for uh, the baby before we were going to induce because the preeclampsia, we had an induction mm-hmm. date just to, for Katie's own protection. And then, so we didn't think, you know, things were back to normal, we thought. <laughs> and Rosie failed the NST. Like she was just not giving us anything on the, on the monitors. Oh. And so once again, we were told to go to L and D and get her checked out and do a, you know, a, what do they call it? A BPP, a biophysical profile okay. just to make sure that everything was okay with her, that she was just sort of giving mm-hmm. us the business. And <laughs> it just, she just wasn't, she mm-hmm. was, her lines were pretty flat. And so we were like, okay, we're inducing. And so yeah. I was there with like, we, you know, both of us were not prepared. We were like, oh, we didn't, <laughs> We thought we were going home back home today. Like I had like appointments that day, you right, know? Right, right, right. Um, and so we ended up staying, staying at the hospital at that point. They, oh, and she was breech. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So they, they, you know, during this biophysical profile, they were like, oh, by the way, she's breech. And we had, and she had been um, flipping around so much. Like sometimes she'd be head down and we would celebrate and then she would be back completely mm-hmm. breached the next, uh-huh. you know, two days later. Uh-huh. And so they decided to do a version where like they flip her. I've heard that's point. really painful. I never yeah. had that. Both my kids were breached, but I had planned C-sections. Oh, so okay. they didn't try to yeah. turn them, but I've heard that that is very painful. Yeah. So basically my doctor, uh, Dr. Barnes, who I love so yeah. much. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, she <laughs> was like, I've got I'm batting a thousand on versions. Like she's literally always been able to flip a baby. Okay. So what she does is she like gives an epidural so that it's, you know, or a spinal, I guess, um, so that it's not painful, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and they do it in the OR so that if something goes wrong, they just go into a C-section basically. Okay. Okay. So that was a little scary, yeah. Especially because she wasn't, she hadn't passed her NST that day, and you know, I just right. know what was going on. And so, but they were able to flip her. So oh she God. was, I know. So she Dr. Was Barnes, well, yes, right. Still batting <laughs> a thousand. We were still <laughs> able to have the kind of birth that Katie wanted to have, obviously, which oh. um, you know, and that we all wanted for her and and for the baby. And so, um, by, so that was, I want to say at like 11 PM Mm -hmm. on the 19th and Rosie was born by 11 AM the next day, Mm -hmm. 11 or 12, maybe. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's incredible. So Rosie, what a cute name. So before we wrap, um, I know that you said that you thought it was so important to talk about this stuff. I'd love to hear like for someone that might be just starting out in the surrogacy world or like feeling lost or like just confused or overwhelmed. Do you have any words of advice or like anything that you have learned, things that you know now that you wish you knew then or anything like that that you want to share? Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is just, you know, I I'm sure that people going through this process, even though you know that it's your way to the next baby, that there's still this guilt and this sort of, you know, can I give this amount of control to another human being to carry this Mm -hmm. child? And you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can. You can do it. Like it's, it's. Oh. I know that it, it, it's totally this huge mental hurdle, or at least it was for me. And I am so happy that I got there because I could never have expected what I got out of this journey, you know, Mm -hmm. and 
it's just, it's obviously so much different than what I had planned and what we had planned for our Mm -hmm. family, but it's incredible that it, it, uh, it's, it's incredible that it can happen. Like it's incredible that we have the science and the tools that are needed to bring kids into this world when, you know, you yourself can't carry your baby. And Mm -hmm. I guess my advice would be as, as difficult as that mental hurdle is the faster you can get there, the better Mm -hmm. because you're probably about to go on this journey that you could have never imagined. You know, it's just, it's incredible. It's a relationship that is like no other in my life. Obviously, you know, we have this connection forever where she did this thing for us that I'm like, there's no amount of, uh, flowers and food that can ever, <laughs> right. you know, they can ever thank her, but she, right. You she, can't like DoorDash a thank you. Right, exactly. <laughs> and believe me, I have, I'm like, here, I'm sending you, I'm sending you all the DoorDash gift cards right. for right. tonight. Right. Um, yeah, there's just, there's really no amount of, um, no amount of gifts that, that could ever thank her. But also I think that, you know, if she were here, she would also say that this was a journey. This was something completely new for both of us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as you get older, there's just so little completely new experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it was incredible and we didn't know what to expect and we were totally on the ride together. And I'm just so grateful for her. And so I feel like, you know, anybody who's just starting out, even if you don't have, if you, if you don't end up having that sort of super tight relationship, because I know that for a lot of people, it's not it's not possible maybe mm-hmm. for some reason or another you're too far away or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, like it, 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 I totally get it that we got lucky in that way. But um, even without that, there's good stuff coming on the other side and like that you're going to learn about yourself and letting go <laughs> through the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just say, go for it. If you can do it, if you can, if you can make it happen and that's what you're going towards. I mean, was that not amazing? I love her. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you so much, Justin. Guys, please check them out on Do the Drunk History Thing. Google it. It's on YouTube. And check out Justin's show, Magic for Humans. And check out Jill on Instagram, too. She is a really talented interior designer and photographer. So you can follow her on there. But I also wanted to let you guys know, if you don't already, that Fertility Rally is out there and waiting for you guys. If you're looking for a safe space to land, if you're looking for a group of people who fucking get it, please check us out. We are a community. We've got four support groups a week. We have three private Facebook groups. We've got tons of videos and resources on our website. We've got just an amazing community that's ever growing and ever evolving. And we would love for you to check us out. So our website is fertilityrally.com, or you can check us out on Instagram at fertility rally. But thanks again to Jill for sharing her story. And I will talk to you guys next time.